Good morning. Today is Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. I was asked to address a question about singing, and it is my singing and music. It is my pleasure to do so, and I'd like to, I'd also like to uh, discuss a few other related subjects that have come up. So we find ourselves in the middle of the period of three weeks that leads up to Tisha B'Av. And as I mentioned before, this three-week period leads up to Tisha B'Av in stages um, that are stages in the process of grieving or mourning. In general, we have certain limitations or prohibitions that start uh, um, last week with the fast of the 17th of Tammuz that are continuing now. Once we reach Rosh Chodesh Elul, the beginning of the month of Elul, we start a higher level period we refer to as the nine days. And then comes Tisha B'Av itself. And the stages of mourning are generally the opposite of the stages of mourning when a person, God forbid, uh, loses a relative. Um, the period that we find ourselves in now, the three weeks, generally corresponds to what a person does during the 12 months after a parent passes away, God forbid. And then, um, unlike for an individual where the stages of mourning become less and less limiting, here the stages of mourning become more and more limiting. So it works in the a reverse order, but the idea is the same. During this period of the calendar, it's not the time for entertainment, for joy, um, but rather to concentrate on the seriousness of this period. And so during this period that we're already in, uh, we do not have weddings. Uh, we do not uh, emphasize personal grooming like haircuts and things like that. Um, and uh, we do not have, uh, we do not listen to joyous music. So during this period, a person should not be listening to music. Um, listening to music during this period is intended to uh, uh, limit us from expressions or feelings of great joy. And therefore, music that is not in that category is permitted. Number one, uh, vocal music that is not instrumental is always permissible. So that is permitted whether it is live or uh, uh, remote. Uh, vocal singing is always okay. Uh, something like background music. So if I'm listening to the news, but a commercial co comes on that has music, I'm not required to turn that off. Background music, because and the idea is simple. I'm not listening to this for the purpose of enjoying the music. I'm listening, I'm watching this or listening to it for the purpose of the content, and the music is incidental. Once the music is incidental, it becomes permissible. Uh, um, often I get a question about uh, something related to a children's activity. Let's say a child, a very young child, for whom these restrictions do not apply. Let's say a child is watching a show or cartoons and there's music. Can a parent or an adult be in the room? And um, my general answer is, um, if it gives you a headache, it's permissible. So uh, if it's Baby Shark, it's okay. <laughs> Once it starts to drive you crazy, then 
uh, again, the idea is you're not listening to it for the purpose of the joy of the music. You're putting up with it because it's keeping your child entertained. That is okay. Likewise, if a person is feeling during this time, if a person is feeling sadness or anxiety or pressure and listening to music will alleviate that, that is permitted because our sages don't want us to be sad. They just don't want us to be overly joyous. So if it's something that brings you back to the baseline from sad or anxious or, or worried, then that music is permitted and a person should feel comfortable to make use of that. Obviously, each person needs to calibrate for themselves whether this is something that is really making me joyous in which case I should uh, uh, put that off until after Tisha B'Av, or whether this is simply something that will take away the sadness or the anxiety or the worry, in which case that is permitted during this period. On Tisha B'Av itself, <coughs> one of the requirements is that we do not engage in washing or bathing on the day of Tisha, the night and the day of Tisha B'Av itself. This year, of course, there are some things that will be different. And certainly, if a person is washing for safety, for example, washing one's hands, um, as we are instructed to do frequently, certainly that is permitted as much as is necessary for health concerns. We are planning our Tisha B'Av plans now. And uh, I want to share with you what we are planning. First of all, Currently, we are holding outdoor minion services at ADAF seven days a week, morning and evening. Our plan is that we will continue to do so on Tisha B'Av itself. So that means Tisha B'Av is on Thursday, two weeks from this Thursday. Starting Wednesday night, we will have Mincha, then Mariv. Thursday morning, we will have Shachris. Thursday afternoon, we will again have Mincha and Mariv. However, the other parts of Tisha B'Av will all be done remotely. So Wednesday night, the night of Tisha B'Av, we will then invite people to go home and we will have Echa and the Kinos, the Lamentations and the poetry that we recite on Tisha B'Av night. We will do that on Zoom. So Rabbi Alex and I and a few others will be uh, leading that and you will be invited to join us on Zoom for Echa, Lamentations and Kinos. And then Tisha B'Av during the day in the morning, after we finish the minion, we will then resume saying kinos together, but on Zoom as well. I would advise people to make sure that you have these texts at home, uh, the text for Eicha and for kinos. I will try to find an online source of these to share with you to distribute so that you can print it out at home. However, if you need to borrow a copy of the Sefer, the Book of Echa or Kinos, please feel free to let me know. We will certainly uh, try to make that available to people who would like to borrow it. On the fast day itself, <coughs> we said this about the fast day last week and it will apply to Tisha B'Av also. If wearing a mask at an outdoor minion is difficult for you, it is better to daven at home rather than to go out without a mask or to risk dehydration 
or discom extra discomfort by wearing a mask outside. I am very happy to see the news that Quebec will now require masks and it is especially important that this rule is being put into effect while the numbers are low, though we see small spikes. Hopefully this will help keep it low instead of what we have seen in other places of responding with these measures when it is already out of control, which makes it so much more difficult. I'm very grateful to see that Quebec is taking this action to prevent it from becoming out of control. <clears throat> An important article was published recently in Lancet, which is a respected medical journal. And it demonstrates scientifically that wearing a mask reduces, we all know that it reduces the risk to others. If you have the virus, but even if you do not have symptoms, you can transmit it to someone else. So wearing a mask helps protect others. But this latest article in Lancet shows that wearing a mask reduces the risk to the one who is wearing the mask by about 65%. That is a gigantic number, a gigantic amount of protection that wearing a mask allows for the person who is wearing it in addition to protecting others by infection from those who have no symptoms. We need to condemn those who criticize medical experts for changing their opinion on the importance of wearing masks from February until now. That is how science is supposed to work. William James, the famous philosopher, once said, when I find I am wrong, I change my mind. What do you do? Science fails when someone touts a therapy without evidence or refuses to adjust in the face of evidence. Science succeeds when it gives guidelines in line with the evidence and data and the learning that occurs. And halacha, Jewish law, upholds that what experts, what expert scientists tell us that is based on evidence and based on consensus of expert opinions, that then contains the force of Jewish law as well. <coughs> Even if it's uncomfortable, I'm sure you agree with me. I hate wearing a mask. I find it very uncomfortable. And yet I wear it religiously in all meanings of that word, even if it's uncomfortable and even if it fogs your glasses, it is required. Fasting on Yom Kippur is also uncomfortable. There are a lot of other mitzvahs that are uncomfortable to fulfill, but those mitzvahs are all secondary to protecting our health. And it is, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> it's just some, something stuck in my throat. I don't actually have a cough.
It is shocking to me to see otherwise observant Jews who would never think about using a leniency about Shabbos or Kashrus, looking for loopholes or simply ignoring the primary mitzvahs to be exceedingly careful about our health, to make sure that we are acting in a way that promotes life and health by ignoring or looking for loopholes about wearing masks. I've shared with you before some of the discussions, the Torah of Rabbi Yosef Rimon. <coughs> He is a very important halakhic authority in Israel. He was asked the following question. Let's say a person is in the middle of davening. They're in the middle of saying Shemon Esrei. They're standing for the Amidah. And we know that while we are praying the Amidah, the Shemon Esrei, we're not allowed to interrupt for any reason. The Talmud goes so far as to say, Afilu nachash charuch al ikvo. Even if a snake is wrapped around your leg. Lo yafsik. You should not interrupt the Shemona Esrei to deal with the snake. Rabbi Rimon was asked, what happens if I am in the middle of davening Shemona Esrei and whether it's an outdoor minion or an indoor minion and people are supposed to maintain a distance of six feet at least and somebody comes up and stands right next to me and starts davening, and they're within six feet, what should I do? Rabbi Ramon says, notwithstanding the seriousness of interrupting in the middle of the Shemona Esrei, if that happens, you should walk away and continue davening at a distance. <clears throat> because the Talmud, commenting on that law, even if a snake is wrapped around your leg, you should not interrupt. The Talmud says that's talking about a non-poisonous snake. I must confess to you, I'm not sure that I would be able to live up to that standard personally. I'm just confessing my own shortcoming. Maybe I would. But if it is possibly even remotely a poisonous snake, then of course, a person should interrupt and do whatever they need to do to avoid the danger. So, since this person is uh, 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 causing a possible threat to health, that calls for interrupting the Shemona Esrei, even the Shemona Esrei, even the Amidah, and moving away. I would add to that. <clears throat> if you are at a minion, for example, our outdoor minion, and you see that someone comes and they're not wearing a mask. Or you see that someone is wearing a mask, but it slips down and it's not covering their mouth and their face. What should you do? And what I would say is, again, even in the middle of davening, a person should nicely, respectfully, gently go over to the person and to say to them, to remind them either to provide a mask for them or to remind them of our requirement that everyone is wearing a mask, again, in a nice, gentle, non-confrontational way, but even in the middle of davening because this is an issue of health. 
even outside, as our medical experts have told us. And if a person refuses to put on a mask, then we should nicely, kindly, respectfully, gently say to them, they are more than welcome to join us in the future when the guidelines change, but now they are required to leave because we may not put others at risk during this time. And we do not accept any rationalizations, any excuses, any reasons given. We have had a number of those that are uh, almost to the point of comical. Um, however, um, we do not accept that and uh, that should be the procedure and it is our procedure now while we are outside and it will certainly be our procedure once we eventually move inside the building, then these requirements will even be more strictly upheld. I want to close with this. I shared with you I've, I've shared with you before the Torah of Rabbi Usher Weiss, a very important halakhic authority living in Yerushalayim. And he is responding to questions constantly, nonstop, about issues that come up related to coronavirus and every other subject in Jewish law. But you know, not every question has an answer. Just the other day, Rabbi Weiss gave a shear and he told the following. He said a Jew came to ask him a question. And this Jew asking the question was weeping. He was crying. Because he was almost certain that he had infected someone else who had passed away. And let's keep in mind, a person that is not careful about wearing a mask or other precautions that are necessary, again, it's not just that person that is at risk. It is their parent, their grandparent, their teacher, their rabbi, their friend, or a stranger. And this person came he was almost certain that he had infected someone who had passed away. And he asked Rabbi Weiss, what is the process for teshuva, for repentance, for such a sin? There's no answer to that question. That's a person who will never forgive themselves. And that is why he and I and so many others urge all of us not just to adhere to the minimum regulations, but to be extremely cautious with masks, distancing, hand washing, whatever the experts tell us, to be extremely cautious, not to, God forbid, get into a situation in which there is no answer and we will never forgive ourselves. My friends, I wish you a great day. I hope and pray along with you that this will come to an end and we will be able to mitigate these precautions. But until then, please be safe. Please be careful. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.